in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. We're going to be there and starting with verse 24. While you're turning there, a few months ago, I spoke on, uh, on a Wednesday evening about uh, after the rapture, what happens to Christians? And we went through all of that. We meet Jesus in the air. We get new bodies and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we get crowns or rewards and then we are uh, married to the Lamb. The church is married to the Lamb and then we come back with Jesus uh, to set up his kingdom and we rule with him for a thousand years and uh, then the great white throne and then we are with him for eternity. But tonight we're going to look at what happens to the unsaved after the rapture. And there's a lot uh, going on uh, with uh, the scriptures that deal with that. The book of Daniel is called also the book of Revelation of the Old Testament because there's a lot of prophecy in the uh, book of Daniel and uh, we're going to be there uh, looking at prophecy in this portion of scripture tonight. Always in my class, in my class on Sunday, but also tonight, I encourage you to ask questions. I love people to ask questions, so if you have questions about anything that we're talking about, just raise your hand and don't hesitate. I love people to ask questions. So if you would stand with me as we read from uh, chapter 9 of the book of Daniel, <clears throat> starting with verse 24, and we'll read down through verse 27. <clears throat> It says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in the everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The streets shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. Then after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Uh, just make a, a, a point in a, a, right after that himself uh, because it changes the direction that we're going to go in here. And then it says, and then the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood and uh, unto the end of the war of uh, desolation are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease and for the overspreading of abomination he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate and you may be seated <clears throat> 70 weeks we're talking about a week of seven years, 70 weeks or 490 years. When God talks about this and prophesies here, he's talking and determined upon thy people. So God is dealing with his people, the Jewish people, 
during this time period that we're going to talk about, specifically the nation of Israel. It's going to deal with the whole world, but specifically with the nation of Israel. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. They rejected Jesus. And uh, even 400 years before that, God never dealt with his people. There were 400 years, they call it the 400 silent years, but now during this time period, it's called the tribulation time period, we're going to see God dealing with the nation of Israel for one purpose, that they receive Jesus Christ as the, uh, or Jesus as the Christ, as the Savior. So we're going to look at the 70 weeks of, Seven weeks are determined upon thy people. And it says, and upon thy holy city, Jerusalem, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to bring reconciliation for iniquity. He's talking here about when the Messiah would come. The Messiah, the Christ, the word Christ is, uh, is uh, identified as the Messiah. That terminology, the Christ, means the Messiah. In verse 25, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The streets shall be built again and the walls even in trouble sometimes. So God identifies the commandment and that commandment was in the book of Nehemiah in chapter 2. The commandment to go back and rebuild the walls in the city of Jerusalem, around the city of Jerusalem. And scholars have uh, identified there is a specific time period that was given to uh, Nehemiah at that, at that date. And God here identifies that 69 of those weeks, from the time the commandment was given to Nehemiah, to go back and build the walls until the coming of the Messiah are 483 years. Uh, 69 years, 69 weeks of years, 483 years, okay? And uh, to the coming of the Messiah. And so we see 69 of those years that God identifies here has already been identified or already been passed at, at, the, at this writing, okay? And so <clears throat> there's one week left till the coming of the Messiah. When did that take place? When did God identify the coming of the Messiah, okay? From the time of the commandment of to Nehemiah to build the walls until the coming of the Messiah. Turn to Zechariah. Chapter 9, <clears throat> and verse 9. <clears throat> it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, and having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass and upon the colt of the foal of an ass. This is talking about that day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem we call Palm Sunday. When he rode in to the city of Jerusalem, 
he was, uh, he was fulfilling that prophecy in Zechariah and also the prophecy in Daniel. It's a big deal in the form of God. That's just not a normal Sunday that we celebrate as Palm Sunday. It was fulfilling two prophecies about when the Messiah would come. And when he rode in on a donkey that day, he fulfilled that prophecy proclaiming that he was the Messiah, the anointed of God. And they knew it. If you read in Luke chapter uh, 19, we won't go there, when it talks about when Jesus came into uh, the city of Jerusalem riding upon the donkey, a donkey, hallelujah, they were uh, uh, praising his name, the, the one that would come in the name of the Lord, and they put palm trees, palm branches in front of him, and so they were aware of what the word of God was teaching here about when the Messiah would come. But he identified in John chapter 1, it broke his heart. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. So the, the nation of Israel rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. The Messiah was anointed or proclaimed by God in, John, in Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve sinned, God said, I'm going to send one, the seed of the woman. Women don't have seeds. So in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, God said, I'm going to give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. And so God was teaching us right from Genesis chapter 3, there's going to be one that would come to redeem the human race. And he is called the Messiah. The one that would come, the anointed of God, would come. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he fulfilled that, and he rode into <clears throat> Jerusalem proclaiming that he is the one, the Messiah. In John chapter 4, Jesus spoke to a, a Samaritan woman, and he told her he was the Messiah. So Jesus Christ himself proclaimed that he is the one, the Messiah. It wasn't left to our imagination or anything else. He said, I am the Messiah in John chapter 4. And so he's the one. And so the, the prophecy here, from the going forth of the commandment to build the walls until the coming of the Messiah, and scholars have identified 483 years to the exact day from the time that Nehemiah was given the exact day to the exact day that Jesus rode in to the, to the uh, uh, city of Jerusalem was exactly 483 years to the exact day. And so we see that God keeps his promises. <clears throat> and then when we look at, uh, in verse 26, and after three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. The Messiah would die. And the people, the Jewish people, were looking for a victorious Messiah. They neglected to recognize, they neglected to understand the uh, scriptures that there would be one coming, the sacrificial, the Lamb of God. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, behold, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. He was the sacrificial Messiah. 
And so when he was cut off and died, but thank God the story didn't end with his death. He rose three days and three nights later. But continuing in when I said put a mark and be cut off, but not for himself, it was for us. Now, after that, and the people of the prince that shall come, the prince that shall come is the Antichrist. He shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and the end of the war, desolation are determined. Desolations are determined. Now, in verse 27, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week or seven years, one week, the week that's left of the 70 years, there's one week left, and he shall confirm the covenant or a peace treaty Okay, with the peace treaty for one week. Now, understand and recognize, we're not going to be here. We're not going to be here. We go at the rapture. This is all taking place after the rapture. We're going to meet the Lord in the air, and we're going to be with him for, well, there's going to be seven years on this earth. There's no time in heaven. So we're going to be, get new bodies, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and receive crowns, and then we're going to be married to the Lamb, and then we're going to come back with him at the end of seven years of, uh, that's on here. But in the midst of the week, at the midpoint of the week, in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblations to cease, and for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation that I determined shall be poured upon the desolate. What's this abomination that God is prophesying would come? Well, first turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. As I said, if you have any questions as we continue, just raise your hand. I love people that have questions. Uh, Matthew 24, this whole chapter, God, uh, Jesus Christ uh, speaks about the second coming, about the tribulation. And in verse 15, he says, And when you therefore see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. So Jesus refers back to Daniel about this abomination that takes in place. Now turn with me to Second. Thessalonians. I'm going to have you turning some scripture, which is good. Second Thessalonians, chapter 2. And I'll start with verse 1. Everybody there? Okay. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and by are gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us as that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, talking about the Antichrist. And before he comes, there's going to be a falling away. That's not talking about the rapture. 
that is talking about the falling away from the faith of the truth of the Bible. It's going to be a falling away, and boy, do we see that today. We are coming close to the second coming of Jesus. And I'll tell you in a few moments why I believe that. We are sitting on the end times. Yes, sir. No, no. It's talking about the, before, the, before the Antichrist comes, there's going to be a falling away from the faith. That's what that's talking about, okay? Before the Antichrist comes. And so there's going to be a lot of falling away from the faith, and we can see that today because I believe the Antichrist is coming soon, okay? before uh, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now listen to verse 4. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, the Antichrist comes, he sets up a peace treaty that we talked about, and in the midst of the tribulation time period, that seven-year period of time, he steps into what is called the Holy of Holies. Now, in the temple. There's no temple there now in Jerusalem. That's the only place where it can be. That was destroyed in A.D. 70 by the Roman government. And it has not been there because the Jewish people have not been a nation in the nation of, or as a nation in the land of Israel for almost 2,000 years until 1948 and November 4, uh, May 14th, that the Na United Nations set up Israel as a nation. In Ezekiel 36, God says, I'm going to bring my people back into the land. And he is certainly working with them, but in Ezekiel 36, he said, I'm going to give them a new heart. That hasn't happened as yet, but it's going to. And so he's got them back in the land. And then in 1967, after 1948, they set up as a nation, but Jerusalem was not part of that land that they had, that the United Nations gave them. But in 1967, in six days... They defeated all of the nations around them. There was Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, and Egypt. And they defeated every single one of them in six days. It's called the Six-Day War or the Miracle War. But what was so different about that, they marched into Jerusalem and took over the city of Jerusalem. Why is that? Because the temple has to be rebuilt by the midpoint of the tribulation. There's no temple there. They want to build it. The Jewish people want to build it. In fact, they have blueprints, even right now, to build the temple. It's not God's time yet. Brother Gilbert. The temple is going to be lost, you say? Not necessarily. 
No, not necessarily. When I was over there in the city of Jerusalem, walking up on the Temple Mount, our guide, who was an Arab, but he was a Christian, said that the temple could be rebuilt on the Temple Mount, it's a huge area, without disturbing the Dome of the Rock. However, I think that God's going to deal with all of that. Brother Guy, just go ahead. Yes, they're looking for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, when, when, they put, when they put notes or prayers in the temple, in the uh, wall, what's it called? The Wailing wall. They pray for the coming of the Messiah and the building of the temple. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, just for your information, and uh, we'll get to it probably next week. Incidentally, we're going to continue this next week also. But <clears throat> as a nation, they will accept Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, at the end of the tribulation time period. In Romans chapter 11, Paul writes, Israel will be saved, and they will. And in Zechariah, there's some scripture, and we'll probably get to that next week. Yes, Brother Gilbert. Yes, sir. Yes, well, it is. The God will make it holy. God will make it holy. God, God will make it holy. The Jewish people want to build the temple, and they're going to, they're going to fulfill God's prophecy. Okay, and the abomination that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24 is that the, in the Holy of Holies, that's where the Ark of the Covenant is, and on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the mercy seat. And the high priest went in once a year to put the blood on the mercy seat, and that's reverence to God. That's very special to God. That's where God met with his people once a year. And the Antichrist goes into the Holy of Holies when the temple is rebuilt and into the Holy of Holies and said, I'm God. And at that point, at that point, God is, we're going to read the second page of this, all of the awfulness, all of the judgments against the world is going to come after that. God said, I've had enough after that. Yes, Brother Guy.
We understand that. Well, God's going to deal with the nation of Israel. And in, in when we read in, in Daniel, this is for my people or thy people. So God's dealing with the nation of Israel. It's, listen, they're still the apple of God's eye. They're very special to God, the Jewish people, and he's got to deal with them. Yes? What's your first name? Rowan. The Ark of the Covenant will be there. Jewish, the, the, rabbis know, the rabbis know where that is. They do. Yes, they do. They're getting ready to build the temple. They know where it is. It's coming. He's coming. Yes. Yes. In the city of Jerusalem, absolutely. That was the center of the Jewish nation. <laughs> World War Three. <laughs> yes, Carol. No, we won't be here. No, we won't know. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to be with Jesus. When he comes into... Yeah, no. When he comes into um, being, when he presents himself as the one that's going to have the peace treaty, we're, going to, we're, going to, we're not going to be here. We're going to be there. Okay? And seven years is going to happen on this earth of ours called the tribulation time period. But just remember, in heaven, there's no time. No time in heaven. So we're going to go through the judgment seat of Christ, and, and all of that's going to take place. But on this earth, God set times on this earth, and so seven years are going to transpire on this earth. But up in heaven, there's no time period. But that's all going to take place up there. Any question? Yes. Okay. So... That's where we stand at this point, that uh, Jesus, this could start tomorrow morning. All of this could start tomorrow morning. The rapture could take place tomorrow morning. And the reason why I think so, because Israel is back in the, in the land. The land is special to God. In, in uh, Genesis chapter 17, God said um, to Abraham, I'm giving you that land for an everlasting possession. A land is special to God, the land of Israel, for an everlasting possession. That's why in the book of Revelation, when he said, I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth. The new heaven is where Jesus is and God is. The new earth is where God is going to fulfill his promise for an everlasting possession to the Jewish people. Okay. Let us look at the Antichrist. Seven years now, tribulation time period. Yes, sir, uh, Brother Gilbert. Why would he have to create a new heaven? I just want to be very clear, 
It's his prerogative. I'm going to change where I live. I'm going to move. I'm going to create a new one. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. So he's been preparing the new Jerusalem. Brother Joe. Say that once more and speak, speak a little louder. About what? Say that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a prerogative of God. And God doesn't mention that, but he did fall in heaven. Isaiah chapter 14, the fall of Satan. Yeah, um, in fact, he still is able, Satan is still able to go into the very heavens and come before God. Even today, he's able to do that. During the tribulation time period, at the midpoint of the tribulation period, he's finally sent out of heaven to this earth. You can you can you can tell him you can tell him that you can you can tell you can tell him that brother Gilbert said no I'm I'm just but that's up to God that's his prerogative as to why he creates a new heaven and a new earth okay Revelation chapter thirteen God here identifies what he calls the beast, the Antichrist. I'm going to read the entire chapter because there's a lot that God identifies for us. <clears throat> chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, John writes, and saw a beast rise up from the, of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him power, and his seat, and his great authority. And I saw one of its heads as if it were wounded to death, and his wound were, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, and gave power unto the beast, uh, and they worshiped the beast, saying, Who was like unto the beast? Who was able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in, the, in, in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity, and he that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast, 
coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon, and he exercises all the power of the first beast, beast before him, and causes the earth and them which dwell uh, therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed, and he doth uh, doeth great wonders, so that he maketh the fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. <clears throat> It deceiveth them that dwell upon the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do, the sight of the beast saying to, to them that dwell in the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him have the understanding, count the number of the beast, for he is the number of man, and the number is 600, three score and six, or 666. Verse, verse 1. John writes, and I saw the beast rise out of the sea, that's the Antichrist, out of the sea identifies that he is going to be a Gentile. There's only two, either you're Jewish or a Gentile, and he is going to be a Gentile. Look at verse, <coughs> verse 11. And I held, and I behold another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. <clears throat> the, Antichrist, the Antichrist is going to be a Gentile, and the false prophet is called by that, by, by God. Uh, he's going to come out of the earth, and he's going to be Jewish, because the Jewish people identified with the earth. Say, Say that again. Where is that? The, the false prophet? The false prophet. What, what verse? Uh, verse 11. Thank you. Okay. In chapter 19, uh, and we'll go there in a few moments, but uh, chapter 19, God calls this, uh, 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 the next beast here, the false prophet. So, and this is the unholy trinity, if you will. In verse 2, it says <coughs> of this chapter, and the beast, which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like a feet of a bear, and the mouth as a mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power and his seat and great authority. Uh, in verse 9 of chapter 12, it says, The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole the world, and he was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So the dragon is, uh, the, was, is Satan. The Antichrist is the representative of Christ, or not his representative, or the Antichrist, and the false prophet is one that would be identified like the Holy Spirit. So this is called the, uh, called the unholy trinity, okay? Uh, Satan, <coughs> Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Now, in verse 2, <coughs> and the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. Uh, turn with me, if you will, uh, to Daniel. Go back to Daniel chapter 7. 
<coughs> as I mentioned, that Daniel is a, uh, a book of prophecy. In chapter 7, <coughs> In verse 3 of Daniel chapter 7, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion, and he goes on to uh, identify that. In verse 5, and another beast, the second like a bear. In verse 6, and behold, another like a leopard. And then in verse 7, the night vision, behold, a fourth, fourth beast. Well, there's, God is identifying four, four empires here. And if you go and read those verses of scripture where he talks about the lion, the bear, and the leopard, talking about four great empires, the Babylonian empire, <clears throat> that's the lion. The bear is the Persian empire. The leopard is the Greek empire. And the fourth beast was the Roman empire. And so the characteristics of those are identified in this one person like we read uh, over there in, um, uh, in uh, chapter 13. He has those characteristics of those empires, only four great empires. Now, <clears throat> in chapter 7, again, in verse 23 of chapter 7 of Daniel, Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all the kingdoms uh, and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of the kingdom are the ten kings that shall arise and another shall rise after them and he shall diverse from the first and he shall subdue three kings. Well, let me just continue in verse 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given unto his hand until the time and times and the dividing of times. This is talking about the revised Roman Empire. There's going to be 10 countries that's going to make up the old Roman Empire Ten kings, and then the Antichrist is going to take care of three of those kings, so it's going to be, he's going to do away with them. There's only going to be seven kings, not seven, ten countries, but seven kings, and he's going to give them power when he rules this earth. Uh, and and uh, let me go back to Reve- uh, Revelation chapter 13 a moment. So the revised Roman Empire is taking place during this time period of the tribulation. Okay? Yes, Brother Gilbert, and then Brother... Yes. Well, in the, uh, the Jewish people are always identified 
as the people of the earth. Okay? There's only two. You're either Jewish or Gentile. Okay? And, and throughout the Bible, I think you will find that the, the people, the Gentile people, are always related to the sea. But they, uh, uh, the Jewish, there's only two. Either, you're either Jewish or Gentile. There's no one else. So the people, the Jewish people are identified with the earth, and the false prophet's going to be a Jewish man. So what else is there? He's not going to be Jewish, the Antichrist. He's going to be Gentile. Okay? You either got one or the other. Brother, go ahead. Church is raptured. There's no Christians. At the rapture, there are no Christians left on the earth. No, no, listen. We haven't gotten there yet, but if you look on your handout, there's 144 Jewish evangelists that go through the world preaching the gospel. And then there are, and we'll get to that, two witnesses that's going to come, and they're going to preach in the city of Jerusalem to witness the gospel. And on top of all that, there's going to be an angel come, and we're going to get to that, that's going to preach the gospel to this earth, all of it. And we'll get to that. It's on your, it's on your handout. So to answer your question, there's no Christians left, and then those 144,000 and the two witnesses and the angel, they're going to win multitudes to the world, to, the, to Christ. Jews. 12,000 from each tribe. 12 tribes. That's in chapter 11. Uh, chapter 7. Excuse me. Revelation. Say that again. Say that again, brother. No, if you take the mark of the beast, you don't go to heaven. Right. Okay. So, the, uh, God in his mercy has put 144,000 that will go around the world preaching the gospel, and the two witnesses and the angel, and multitudes will be saved during the seven-year period of time, and most of them will be killed. Most of them will be martyred. But because of the Antichrist, both of them are going to be beheaded. Yes. You bet. No. It could happen, it has to happen before the midpoint of the tribulation. So it could be, it could be before the, uh, uh, yes. Good question. Why are we, why, why are we reading about this? Because God holds us accountable. We are to warn people of what's to come. 
And in addition to that, he said, you are my ambassadors. Go out and win the lost and tell them about how to avoid this time and how to avoid hell. That's a responsible, in fact, you are his ambassador, he said. So you are supposed to be doing that. Brother Hector, you've got a question. Yes, I don't disagree with that. However, all we know is the temple is built by that time. It could be built prior to the rapture. Doesn't have to be built during the tribulation time period. He, no, listen, listen. The tribulation starts when he presents a peace treaty to Israel. That's when it starts, right at the beginning. He presents a peace treaty. That's correct. Okay, but but he but he. He develops his power, he develops his power during that time period, the first three and a half years. But when he goes into the temple and says, I am God, God says, I've had enough, and, and we'll read about his, uh, uh, his anger. Yes, Brother Guy. Yes, they do. They do. Because in chapter... Uh, chapter 14, there, uh, in chapter 14, the 144,000 are standing at the throne of God. They're in heaven at that point. Yes. Everybody okay so far? Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, in verse 3 of chapter 13, and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wandered after the beast. Uh, he is with a sword. Uh, in one of the verses of scripture, he's um, killed, or not killed, uh, rather. He is identified as dying from, the, from a wound. And then he comes back to life, okay? But he didn't die. He presents himself as dying, and the world believes him. In verse 4, and they worship the dragon, which is Satan, which give power unto the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? He's a man that develops uh, his ability to create peace, the peace treaty. He's going to break that peace treaty at the midpoint, 
but the people worship him and Satan. Now, you, the people, he puts in place that you have to take his mark. And that's at the end of this chapter. And he said, no one will buy or sell anything unless you have the mark of the beast. And so those people that receive Christ from the 144,000 and the two witnesses, they will go what we call underground. And so they will try to devise ways of avoiding getting the mark. As long as it takes. There will be a remnant that will go through the tribulation time period, the seven-year period of time, and come out at the end living. But most of them will die because of the Antichrist. <clears throat> and in, let me see if I can pick up. Oh, yeah, uh, in chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, and verse 4, it says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And they saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which were not worshipped, who had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, nor had received his mark upon their forehead or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So most of them will be killed or there will be a remnant that will last and will not take the mark of the beast. If you take the mark of the beast, you cannot be saved. And so Christians will not be able to take the mark of the beast if they receive Christ. And if you take the mark, you cannot be saved at that point. Yes, when Christ comes back at the end of, in chapter 19, he sets up his kingdom for a thousand years, and those that go through the tribulation that are Christians will go into the millennial kingdom with Christ. And they will have children, and, those, and they will live long ages, and we'll get all to that. They will live long ages, and they will have multitudes and multitudes. And some of them will receive Christ, and some will not. Okay, Brother Gilbert, that okay? Good? Okay. Yes? Okay. What's it say? Read it to me. Listen, they have this. This world, listen, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He was prophesied back 4,000 years prior to that. How come people didn't believe that? How come? 
because, because, look up Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. Brother Gilbert, what's it say? Yeah, she does. <laughs> I tell her to read that for me all the time. What's it say? Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. That's the answer to your question. You got it. That's why. That's the answer. That's the answer. They rejected Jesus right from the very beginning. They rejected God right from the very beginning. God tried to mold a people. And in Samuel, they came and said, we don't want you to be king over us. We want a king just like all the other nations. We reject you, God. They just turned and worshipped false idols. The Jewish people, they saw the Red Sea parting. And they just rejected him. This world has rejected him. And so, when we come to the idea that people will know about when the Antichrist comes, they reject all of that. They reject, they reject this. They don't believe this. They reject it. And so they were rejected then. That's a foolish old book. That's what they say now. It's not going to get better. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 24, when I come back at the end of seven years, when I come back, it's going to be just like it was at the end of, at the time of Noah. He said it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And so the tribulation is God's time for his anger. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 13. Say that again. Yes. Speak, you're going to have to talk louder, brother. Yes. Send somebody back to my brothers. He said, if they don't believe Moses, even if one came back, they won't believe him. Moses, first five books of the Bible he's talking about. In Isaiah chapter 13, Verse 9, starting with verse 9. It said, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel with both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light, the sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause their light to shine and I will punish the world for their evil and their wicked 
and the wicked for their inequity. And I will cause the arrogance of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. God says when he comes back, I'm going to destroy the sinners thereof out of it. When he comes back to this earth, every single unsaved person will die. Every person that's unsaved at that point, when he comes back to this earth, in chapter 19, every single lost person will die for their arrogance and their proud arrogance. He's coming back with fierce anger. Listen to what Revelation chapter 19, and I think I've got to stop at this point. Chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. <clears throat> verse 11. It says, And I saw the heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. And his eyes were a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were with him, that's us in heaven, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Now listen to what he says. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. And with it he shall smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And listen, and he treaded the winepress and the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's not coming to be the sacrifice. He's coming to make war with his fierce anger. God help this world. God help this world that has rejected him and will continue to re uh, reject him. Okay. So I think I'd better quit. We will continue next week. And hopefully I'll get through all of this next week. But let me close in some prayer. Father, as we step into your presence tonight, how grateful we are. We recognize we're standing on holy ground because you are our holy God. And we bring our worship and we bring our praise and we bring our love towards thee. We're grateful you loved us even while we were yet sinners. You loved us and sent your own dear son to die for us. Truly we stand in awe and we lift up the name of Jesus tonight for your great sacrifice. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that you now, that now lives within us, that God, that, uh, that helps us and guides us into all truth and helps us, strengthens us as we walk in this darkened world. Help us to have a burden for the unsaved. Help us, our Father, to walk holy and righteously before thee. And Father, just touch us in a mighty way. And now, our Father, we do pray for each one that is here. Watch over and, and protect our pastor as he drives tomorrow back. And then, our Father, we thank you for this time. We ask now that you bless us and keep us safe. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.